Uh, I'm pleased to be able to preach to you today on the greatest story ever told. It's part two of the greatest story ever told. Don't you love the way I count? Uh, Part number two, greatest story ever told. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1. What we have in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is what commentators call the prologue to the gospel of John. And this passage conveys the deep truths of the incarnation. And that's simply a big word that means God became flesh, that God became man, that God sent his son Jesus Christ as a baby. And in John chapter 1, we have God's perspective of that incarnation. This story is all about God coming from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ so that we could go to heaven. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father. No one can have entrance into heaven except that they come through me. So it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, church, I told you last week on session number one of the greatest story ever told, here's where I'm taking us over these next few weeks. I want you to see Jesus as you've never seen Jesus before. And we do that here in John chapter 1. So if you are a believer, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, my prayer for you is that today and next Sunday, you would see Jesus like you've never seen Jesus before. That you would fall back in love with Jesus. When you realize what he has done for you, that it would cause you and move you to glorify him and to praise him and to honor him like you've never done before. Secondly, my prayer is... If you're here and you're a non-believer, my prayer is that you would be moved to the very core of your being so that you would accept God's gift and invite Jesus Christ into your heart. This, incidentally, is the motive behind John writing the Gospel of John. Look at John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So right there, John is saying, here's why I wrote this book, so that you would believe in Jesus Christ, and that believing in him, you might have life, abundant life in Jesus. So let's pick up where we left off last Sunday. Last Sunday, we looked at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and this is how we ended with verse number 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or the darkness could not overpower it. Now, this light that is shining in darkness is a person. Come on, come on, wake up. His name is Jesus, all right? He is the light that is shining in the darkness. We learned last Sunday that Jesus came to give us life. Hallelujah. And to give us light. And we need that because our lives are so dark. So this light is none other than Jesus Christ. That brings us to verse number 6 where we are today. Let's read John chapter 1 verses 6 through 13. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was? So what John's he talking about there? He's talking about John the Baptist, or John the Free Will Baptist, as I call him, all right? There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man, John, came for a... Now, when I do this, that means you say it. He came for a witness, to bear witness of who? The lie, Jesus, that all through him might believe. John was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light, okay? So you with me so far? John came by the hand of God to give witness to the light who is Jesus Christ. That was the true light. Jesus is the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. In fact, he came to his very own people, and his own people did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they have been born by the power of God. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great passage in John chapter 1. As I try to speak it on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak it into our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to be the light of the world and also the light for the world. So let's talk about that light, Jesus as the light. Because it is one of the great biblical images of why Jesus came and who Jesus is. He is the light of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of his own Son, Jesus Christ. So that is saying this, when we come into the light, we come into a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. So if we see the light, we've seen Jesus. Are you with me? Now I know th these are pretty deep biblical concepts and, and it, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around this stuff. I realize that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you sit there and simmer on this a little bit, all right? Jesus is the light. And I'm going to tell you a story to tell you another story. Uh, when I grew up out in, I was born in 1961, and I grew up in Midland, Texas. We lived there out in the country, probably, I don't know, five, six, seven miles out of town. Uh, and cotton fields were all around us. And th this is the, the 60s and 70s that I grew up in, in West Texas. We, we didn't have any country, or, uh, Christian radio stations back then. Uh, we only had AM radio. And uh, when, when we drove into town, uh, those long seven miles, mom and dad would listen to the radio, whether it's in the 1960 Chevy Impala or the, I don't know, 19, what was that, a 57 old Chevy pickup that, man, I wish we still had, Dad. But anyway, we'd, we'd listen to the radio. And my parents only had one of two choices. They could listen to country music or they could listen to rock and roll. And guess what my parents listened to? They listened to country music. You know why? Because every Saturday night, we watched Hee Haw. 
You know, so I was raised on country music, all right? I mean, we, we, just, we just listened to country music. That's, that's what I cut my teeth on, country music. Nowadays, when I'm out in my black GMC pickup truck, I listen to Christian radio stations. I've got, I don't know, five or six preset stations, and, and I'll just flick through them and find the song that I want to hear, or I'll listen to sports talk radio, okay, one of the two. Not long ago, I was in the truck, and Angie was with me. She was, running, she was riding shotgun over there and and i was flicking through the the christian radio stations and and all they were doing is raising money or had an ad on i couldn't find any songs and so out of my wife's mouth came something i didn't think i'd ever hear she said uh, she said i'm kind of surprised you don't have the rooster on your preset stations and and i looked at her and i said I, I don't know the rooster what are you talking about anybody know the rooster now, listen, first service, you about everybody raise their hand. The rooster is classic country and western. Right here in town, Fort Smith. The rooster. Ch check it out. Find it. I don't know what number it is. But here, do what is it? 105.5. 1055. Here's the incredible thing. Angie hates country music. <laughs> and, I mean, she's telling me, I, I need, you know, why don't you have the rooster? So I found the rooster on my radio dial, all right? And since then, you know, sometimes I'll just kind of click it over there to the rooster, classic western, country and western, and, and remember some of the songs I grew up with. Now, here's the incredible thing, and this is just a story to get to my story, all right? Here's the incredible thing. The other day, I was listening to the rooster, and this song came on, and I was just driving down the road, and, and I started singing this song. I knew every word to the song, and I got to thinking, Billy... I haven't heard this song since 1975. <laughs> Literally, I hadn't heard that song for over 40 years. But Keenan, I knew every word to the song. Satin sheets to lie on. <laughs> satin pillows to cry on. Still, I'm not happy. Don't you see? Big, long Cadillac. Taylor maids up on. Anyway, anyway. I, that was pretty good, wasn't it? I couldn't believe it. I knew every word. And I, I, I had this conscious thought. I haven't heard that song in 40 years. But I, it's ingrained. And that just kind of brings up a warning. Remember, this is just a side story to get to my story. You need to be careful what you listen to. Because it gets stuck in your head. Long before I was born, like 1947, I believe it was, it was this country singer he was a bad boy of country music story is he was driving home from a concert he was drunk as a skunk and he didn't know if he was going to make it home he remembered something his mama had told him and so he prayed to god he was drunk as a skunk but he was praying to god that he made it home and on that drive home he wrote this country song and it became a big hit in fact Starting in 1948, he ended every concert that he sang with this song. The first verse says, I wandered so aimless, my life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. 
praise the Lord, I saw the light. Well, I'm feeling good. Just get me a band, all right? All I need is, I just need me a band. Now, here's the deal. That was Hank Williams. Y'all know who that was? Hank Williams, bad boy country music. I don't know if Hank ever really saw the light. Honestly. <laughs> I don't know that he did. But had he seen the light, he would have seen Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the light of God. That's what this passage is all about. And John is telling us two things about this light. The first thing that he wants us to know is this. The light, the light of Jesus is transmitted through obedient witnesses. Are you with me there? This light is transmitted through obedient witnesses. Let's go back to verse number 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Can I tell you something? This human race, this world that we're living in is dark. Darkness is everywhere. Anywhere you can imagine, all you can see is darkness. Oh, we have our times and our ages in which we think we have been enlightened. But can I tell you this? Without Jesus, we are living in darkness. And this light is a person, Jesus Christ. And that light is transmitted by introducing the person, Jesus, into people's lives. So God uses witnesses, born-again believers, to witness of Jesus Christ, to share the good news. Now, John is a good example of this. In fact, John the Baptist, in fact, so much that John the Apostle used John the Baptist as his example of this, this transmission of this light. Two things about John the Baptist. He went where he was sent. Look at verses 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Now, a witness is somebody who testifies. You, you, you've seen courtrooms on TV. Maybe you've been in a courtroom. I hope in a good sense you've been in a courtroom, all right? But they will call witnesses to the stand, okay? And the witness will come up there, and they, they'll swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they tell the story from their perspective. They tell what they know. They are witnessing. They are testifying. In fact, interesting thing, this word witness is the word from which we get our English word martyr from, which means that a witness is testifying something that they would give their life for. They believe it so dramatically, they would give their life for it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a great British preacher from a generation ago. One evening, him and a friend were walking up a road. Looking up the hill in front of them, they saw a lamp lighter. Okay? We don't know what lamp lighters are today, but this was before electricity. And a man would go along the street and he would light lamps on the street. And he was called the lamp lighter. 
And so he was going ahead of them, lighting lamp after lamp until he crested a hill and went over the hill. You couldn't see him any longer, but you could see all the lights that he had lit. And here's what Charles Spurgeon said to his friend. I hope that my life will be just like that. I should like to think that when I've gone over the brow of the hill, I shall leave lights shining behind me. Are you picking up what he was putting down? And, and just as John bore witness of Jesus Christ, he was sent by God, called by God, and was a witness for Jesus Christ, we are called and sent to do the same thing. We are to let that light shine. We are to tell other people the good news of Jesus. I spent this past week in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on the Free Will Baptist uh, International Missions Board. And so we met from Monday uh, through Thursday. And in that process, we interviewed 12 missionary candidates. These are, are people who have given their life to missions. Most of them were up for a uh, two-year internship just to see if they could cut it out there on the field. Some of them came in as career missionaries. So we interviewed 12 people, five couples of husbands and wives, and then two single in individual missionaries, a, a young man, young woman. They, they ranged in age from 23 years old to, I think, 56 years old. Now, here's the cool thing about it. Before we went to the meeting, I had all of their biographical information, anything you wanted to know about these people. I had a stack of papers, really about that thick, and I, I read through all of these stories of these people. But then they come into the room. There are nine of us on the International Missions Board. We're around this big table, and, and we make them come and sit right in front of us, you know, and they, they have to be interviewed by the board. And the question is asked them, what brings you to this seat? Why are you in front of us, and why do you feel like you should go on the mission field? And so you heard all these stories, 12 stories from 12 people. But I guarantee you, in every story, there was a reoccurring theme. Every one of them told the story of how they came to faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus saved them. But the conduit that brought them to Jesus was a parent, a friend, a preacher, but someone told them about the light, and that light changed their life. And they also told the story about, about someone who said something to them that sparked an interest in their life to become a missionary. Now, I, I know it was that way in my life. Someone spoke to me about Jesus Christ. These, these two people right here, a long time ago. They told me that Jesus loved me and he wanted to save me. I had a preacher that was faithful to preach the truth of the word of God. And after one of his sermons on hell, I ran down to the altar and I got saved. But he told me about Jesus. My parents told me about Jesus. They not only told me about Jesus, they lived the life in front of me. And I wanted that light in my life. And I guarantee you, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at everybody in here. Just for a second. I'm gonna, let me get over here because there's a bunch of people up there. Hey, guys. Here's the deal. If you're here today and you're a Christian, somebody told you. 
on somebody loved you enough to tell you that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Ed, somebody loved you enough to share the good news of the gospel with you. Angel, somebody loved you and told you about Jesus. Aren't you glad that that person cared enough that they told you and you were saved? But let me flip that around. Now as a believer, it's our job. It's our mission. It's our calling. God is sending us out just as he sent John out to be a light to the dark world. And I'm, I'm wondering, how many, how many lights are going to be behind me when I go over the crest of that hill? Ask yourself that question. John was not only went where he was sent, but number two, John was a moon, not the sun. John was the moon, not the sun. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verses 8 and 9. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. You know the difference between the sun and the moon. It's simply this. The sun is the ultimate source of light that lights up our world. 93 million miles away is this great ball of fire that is spinning out in the atmosphere, and it is shooting light to the earth. The moon possesses no light of its own. The moon simply reflects the light of the sun. And the same is true of our witness. You're not the sun. You don't have that light. Like John, you are the moon. We reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And that's what our witness is. When people look at us, they need to see Jesus. When people watch the things that we do, they need to see Jesus fleshed out. Why? Because we're not the sun, we're the moon. And that brings me to verse number 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That light, the light of Jesus, is transmitted through faithful, obedient witnesses. And I've just got to ask again, are you being a faithful, obedient witness? Then we come to point number two from this passage. The light, that light, transforms lives through the new life that is found in Jesus Christ. God gives us to shine this light. God gives us and uses us to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Why? So that all men might believe. That's what that verse says. God is using us so that others would believe. And when that light shines into a human heart, everything changes. Come on. When the light of Jesus shines into a heart, everything changes. But not all people who see the light receive the light. Look at verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Remember last week we talked about he created everything and all things consist because of him. And the world did not know him. That is, the world rejected him. They didn't receive him. In fact, he even came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. So this verse tells us that there are two groups of people who are rejecting Jesus. The first is the world in general. In fact, here, here's what John chapter 3 verse 19 says. 
And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men and women love darkness more than they love the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. And that is why the world rejects Jesus Christ. They love darkness. They love to sin. They don't, they don't want Jesus or anyone else telling them how to live their life. And so they have rejected Jesus Christ. And this world that that verse talks about is all of us. It includes everyone, every man, woman, boy, and girl. But then there's another group of people that God has in mind here who have rejected the Savior. Look at verse 11 again. It says, he even came to his own people, and his own people would not receive him. So here it is laid out before us. Jesus was rejected as creator by all men in general, but he was also rejected as Messiah by the Jews in particular. But you know what? Rejecting Jesus is, is only one of the two options we have. We can either reject him or we can receive him. I, I love verse 12. Man, my redemption is in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. And receiving Jesus simply means that we have believed in his name. When you believe, which is the same thing as receiving Christ, you have the right or the privilege to become a child of God. And here's the deal. Listen to me real close. You make the choice, and he makes the change. You make the choice, and God makes the change. You are born again into a new family. Now, when you were born the first time, you were born into a family. The second birth, being born again, means that you are born into a spiritual family. You become a part of God's family. You see, here it is. We are not all God's children in the sense that we're not all in his family. You are a part of God's creation because he made you. But in order to be a part of his family, you've got to make that choice. You receive him, you believe him, and he changes you. And that brings us to verse number 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, what is this new life in Jesus Christ? What does it look like? Well, I can tell you this. It is not genetic. It doesn't happen through ancestry. Why? Because the verse says, you are born not of blood. In other words, you don't become a Christian by your family tree or through ancestry. You don't get into God's family because your parents were Christians or because you had a granddaddy that was a preacher or an aunt that was a missionary. No, it comes down to you. You can't count on their salvation to get you right with God. You've got to receive Jesus. You've got to believe in his name. So it's not genetic. Number two, it is not by our own effort. The verse says, nor of the will of the flesh. That is, you are not born again by sheer human will apart from Jesus Christ. 
Now, I, I do recognize that you're involved in this process of salvation. You have to make the choice to receive. It is an act of your will to receive Jesus, but the transformation that occurs is not something that you can produce by sheer willpower. You will never be good enough to get into heaven on your own. Nor is it by the effort of others. The verse goes on to say, nor of the will of man. In other words, no other human being can bring about for you the new birth. When you were born physically, you had some human parents that decided, I'm going to have a kid, and they had you. Or maybe they weren't thinking, I'm going to have a kid, and they had you anyway, all right? But, but they produced you. However, this new birth doesn't work that way. It begins with a choice that God makes. And God has chosen you. God wants all men to be saved. And it is a personal thing between God and you. It's a choice that God has made, and we have to receive that gift. Nobody else can do it for you. I don't care how many candles they burn in your name for you. I don't care how much money they give for you. Nobody else can save you. You know what can save you? The power of God. Because that's what the verse says. But you've got to be born of God. It is accomplished by God and God alone. And the only way that you can explain the transformation that takes place when a person is born again is to say they are born of God. And this is what happens when the light, the big L light, Jesus comes into your life. He brings light. All the darkness goes away. We're saved by the name of Jesus and Jesus alone. And then when we are saved, that transformation is so great and so enormous, we don't stay the same. Everything changes. And one of the things that changes is that we become bold in our witness for Christ. We want everyone to know the light as we have seen the light. I love Max Lucado. He used to be a preacher down in San Antonio, Texas, and wrote a bunch of books uh, his, his sister lives here in Fort Smith, and man, I'd love to run into Max sometime when he comes for a visit and just sit down and have a cup of coffee with him, because I, I love his books. Great, great man of God, great preacher, great author. Uh, one, one time, years ago, he wrote this book entitled God Came Near. Have you ever read that book? God Came Near. He, he, he tells a story in this book that I, I think helps us understand this. That this didn't really happen, but he envisions it. And he wrote the story about it, okay? So it's something that he's envisioning. He envisions an electrical storm in his neighborhood that knocked out all the power. And so his house is in complete darkness. And he knows there are some candles in the closet, so he goes to that hall closet and opens the door. And sure enough, there are those four candles up on the shelf. They're all on candle holders. And he lights all four of those candles, and he's about to take the candles out of the closet and strategically put them different places in the house so that his dark house can be lit up. But as he's taking these candles out of the closet, Lucado envisions the candles starting to talk to him. Okay? Are you with me? Really, are you with me? 
And the first candle says, don't take me out of this room. I'm not ready. I need more preparation. And Locato just stopped right there and he said, more preparation? What are you talking about? And the candle says back, yes, I've decided that I, I need to research this light giving so that I don't make any mistakes out in the darkness. L Lucado, Lucado just couldn't believe it. And, and he heard the other candle saying, we aren't going either. He, he's getting a little perturbed. And he said, but your candles, <laughs> your job is to go into darkness and to light it up. One of the other candles said, well, I'm too busy. Busy doing what? Well, I'm busy meditating. I'm, I'm meditating on the importance of light. It is so enlightening. Another one said, I can't leave the closet. I'm too unstable. I, I need to get myself together before I go out and shine in the darkness. And then the fourth candle spoke up. It was, it was a female's voice. And she said, I, I would like to help, but lighting the darkness is not one of my gifts. And he said, one of your gifts? What, what do you mean? She said, well, I'm a singer. And so I sing to encourage the other candles to shine more brightly. And she started singing, this little light of mine. And all the other candles just kind of joined in. And Lucado thought about it for a moment. Four perfectly good candles singing to each other about light, but refusing to come out of the dark closet. And so in disgust, he blew them out. And as he blew them out, they continued to sing this little light of mine, even though they were extinguished. He left the closet and his wife asked him about the candles. He said, they don't work. But these candles you got don't work. And he said, where did you get those candles anyway? And she said, well, they're church candles. Remember the church across town that, that shut down a, a few months ago? I, I got them from that church. And Locato says, hmm, makes sense now. Wow. That stings. Because we're called to be the light. I mean, I had, I had to come face to face with old Will Harmon this week and said, hey, dude, are you being the light that God has called you to be? Because if they're going to hear, it's because you're reflecting the light and you're telling them. So, so it brings me back to this. I'm almost finished. It brings me back to this. Number one, if you're a believer, I want you to fall back in love with Jesus today. Just think back on what he did for you, how he changed you. I tell you what, that should make you want to love him and glorify him and praise him and honor him like you've never done before. And it also motivates us to tell others about him. Because if they're going to know, it's because you've told. Secondly, it brings me to this. If you're here today and you're not a believer, I pray that right now the Holy Spirit would move you to the core of your being so that more than anything else, you want this light in your life. You want Jesus in your heart. 